Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Chapter number nine, please. Book of Acts, chapter number nine. I want to remind everyone to be in your place tonight at, uh, at seven o'clock for the service here tonight. The Lord willing, we'll have a great time. Great time. In chapter number nine, I want to talk to you about Paul, the Apostle Paul, for just a few moments uh, uh, this morning. Actually, I'll talk to you for about 35 minutes today. Now, in ch chapter number nine in the book of Acts, there's the story of the Apostle Paul being saved here, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Now, uh, God changed him, everything about him. God even changed the name of this man from Saul to Paul. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, where that they were young, uh, uh, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now I want you to notice that before Paul was saved. We don't have time, but he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. We read about that in the Bible. He was a very religious man, and he persecuted the children of God. He even saw them put to death. As a matter of fact, he was standing by when Stephen was stoned to death, and they laid down their clothes and their coats and so forth at the foot of Saul of Tarsus. And so he persecuted the children of God. He was a religious man he thought that he was right listen there's a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof the ways of death you see and so I'm saying to you this morning he was a religious man but he was lost and then this goes on to tell about his uh, salvation experience it it says in the journey he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about them uh, him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him Saul Saul why persecutest thou me have you ever wondered why now <clears throat> Saul was persecuting people Saul was persecuting Christians and putting them to death. But this voice from heaven said, Why persecutest thou me? Now I want you to know this. Anytime the world strikes out against the church and against the man of God and the people of God, they're striking out against God Almighty. That's why Brother Jerry taught this morning for just touchstone uh, the death penalty. Now I'm for the death penalty. Somebody said, Well, you're a cruel man. No, I'm a biblicist. I believe the Bible and I believe God is for the death penalty. You say, oh no, God, God would not be for anything like that because that would make God harsh and mean and unkind. Oh no, my friend, listen, when God rids humanity and the human race of someone that is a, 
uh, a killer. My friend, he's tender and kind and gracious to the other inhabitants of this earth. Amen. How about the man that was killed recently up in, uh, was it New York or up in the, going into Canada, the man by the name of Wilder. Here's a man, I think about 13 or 14 women that he allegedly has slain, molested them and had slain and killed them. I'll tell you what, society is a lot better off today without uh, this man Wilder. How about the man Lucas that uh, uh, said he and another man had uh, had admitted to killing over 300 men, Brother Lloyd, 300 uh, 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 people that they, women I believe, that they had killed and slaughtered. And uh, I'm telling you, when they kill that man, when they take his life, when the state executes that man, my friend, humanity will be a lot better off. And so uh, the reason that God has the death penalty is because man is made in the image of God Almighty. And when you lash out against mankind, you're lashing out against God. That's why I never could understand why the Bible used to say, uh, he that saith thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Listen, man is made in the image of God. And don't call a man fool because when you do, you're calling God foolish. Amen. So Christ said here from heaven, he said, why persecutest thou me? Now, if we don't hurry, we won't even get through the introduction this morning. It says, and he fell to the earth, heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men, it says, let's skip down some here. Three days uh, without sight, neither did eat any drink. And uh, verse number 13, it says, And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard, uh, uh, he tells Ananias to go, and he said, I've heard by many of this man how much evil hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. He said, I want to go see him. Man, he's putting people to death. And the Lord said, I want you to go. He said, no, I don't want to do that. And then, uh, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But notice, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received uh, meat and was strengthened, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Now, here's an unusual man in the Word of God. This man had an unusual experience of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was miraculously saved. Now, I want to give you several things about Paul this morning that I have written down. I want to talk to say to you this morning that Paul was a man who cared about people. Amen. I want you to know people are important, my friend. You that are sitting here this morning in this congregation, you're an eternal soul. I mean, when you were born into this world, and even before you were born, in the womb, you were and are an eternal soul. You're going to live forever. I mean, you're never going to uh, reach a point 
uh, where you'll be uh, annihilated or you'll cease to live. You will either exist in hell or you will live in heaven throughout eternity. You are an eternal soul. So we can say that people are important. Now I want you to know the word of God indicates that some people hated Paul. Now, I'm not going to read the scripture to you, but if you look in chapter number 11 when you get home today, in 2 Corinthians, you'll find out that Paul was a man who was hated by people. I mean, he was beaten. He was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked. I mean, many things happened to this man of God, and he was hated by people. But I want you to notice a lot of people did, uh, didn't hate Paul. There were a lot of people that loved him, and uh, uh, they liked to be around him. Paul drew men to him. I mean, listen, Paul was a man who had some conviction about him. Brother Lewis, I preached a message here not long ago, and I said to you that Paul was a fundamentalist. You remember that? I said to you that Paul was a fundamentalist. He believed in the eternity of the soul. Amen. I mean, over and over again, he said, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I mean, he was a fundamentalist. He believed in the eternity of the soul. He believed that every child of God that had trusted in Jesus Christ would live on in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. He believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, brother. Brother Frank will be Easter Sunday and we'll gather here and Brother A.G. Wall will come and I, I suppose that either in the, in the Sunday school hour or in the preaching service that we'll hear a message or Sunday night sometime on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a fundamentalist also just as the Apostle Paul was. I believe in the burial, the, the resurrection and the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you something else. He believed in the devil. I want to tell you something, my friend. Don't you let anybody move on the scene and try to convince you that there is no devil. I mean, he's a very real personality, very real person. And he lives, he exists, he's the prince of the power of the air, and he's out to thwart the plan of God. He's out to disrupt uh, the people of God. He's out to destroy churches and, and tear down what God is building up in this world. He wants to destroy. Paul believed in the devil, I believe in the devil, and we both are fundamental in this. Uh, the Bible says, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Have you ever wondered about this? Everything about sin seems to be pleasing. I mean, listen, you see them drinking liquor on television and, and uh, in their cocktails. Now, they're not allowed to advertise whiskey, but they do everything except that. Everybody has a highball. Everybody has a martini. Everybody's drinking uh, cocktails and so forth. Um, uh, who was that the other night? Talked about a... Uh, a cocktail. I believe it was Johnny Grinstead or somebody said that uh, on the airline that somebody had asked him would he like to have a cocktail and he said no he didn't believe he could get the feathers down. Well uh, I don't know. It'd be well if everybody felt that way about uh, cocktails that contain alcoholic beverages. Amen. But I, I'm telling you that when the devil does something it's usually beautiful. That's why they all have all the bright lights. Have you ever you ever seen the TV cameras when they go to Las Vegas? I, I noticed they, uh, they were striking out there recently. I wish they'd keep on striking. Amen. I wish they'd close the place down. 
But uh, they have all the bright lights and, uh, and, and beautiful things, beautiful hotels and beautiful casinos. And, and do you know they'll fly you out there free of charge? That's right. Won't charge you a thing. They have tours. Airlines will, uh, Las Vegas will pay for it. Uh, all the way out there. Now they request that you put what is called front money. You put so much money up front. You guarantee uh, in the bank out there a thousand dollars. Now they know if they get man out there with a thousand dollars, he's going to spend that thousand dollars. And they lure them out with their bright lights and their uh, uh, beautiful buildings and uh, uh, the beautiful girls that they have there, and scantily clad uh, women that uh, work in those places. But I, I'm telling you the devil makes things beautiful my friend and he does that to appeal to the flesh but Paul believed in the second coming he was a builder he built churches he built Christians my friend he was a preacher oh listen the apostle Paul was a was a preacher of the gospel Paul believed in people and Paul was a preacher he preached salvation Amen. I was so glad. Listen, if I had been in a hospital room yesterday and that man had to been flat of his back with a, uh, a brace around his neck and such agony and such pain in his body, when he got saved, I believe I'd, if I could have got up, I'd have run down the hall and shouted, Hallelujah! Praise God! Here's a man that's been born again and saved by the power of God. Been a long time. I mean, several weeks had gone by since I'd had the opportunity to lead anybody to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe, listen, Paul was interested in people. He was a pre-preacher. Uh, he preached uh, on salvation. Listen, the Father planned our salvation. Amen? Man didn't have anything to do with planning salvation. If man, Brother Dennis, if man had gotten his hands into it, it would have been corrupt also. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ, Brother Jerry, was slain from the foundation of the world. Listen, before you were ever brought into existence, before you were ever born into this world, before the worlds were ever framed, God Almighty, in his mind, the Jesus Christ was already slain and the plan of salvation was already planned by our Father. I want you to know the Son paid for our salvation. Amen. He purchased our salvation on Calvary's cross. He shed His precious blood for you and for me. Jesus didn't need to die. Jesus didn't deserve to die. Jesus died not because of His sin, not because of anything that He had done, but Jesus died because of your sin and my sin and the sins of mankind. Jesus purchased us. And then I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit protects our salvation. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, planned by God Almighty, paid for by Jesus Christ, and protected by the Holy Ghost of God. That's what Paul preached everywhere he went. I don't care if it was to the highest in the land or to the lowest. He said, hey, come here. Let me tell you what happened to me one day on the road to Damascus. And he told them about our salvation. He went into the, uh, to the depths of predestination and the foreknowledge and the election of God and he, and he showed to us that God planned our salvation and that Jesus paid for it and it's protected by
by the Holy Ghost of God. So Paul loved people. Paul was concerned about people. And Paul was a preacher himself. Now I want you to look in Acts chapter number 20 very quickly with me if you will. Acts chapter number 20. Paul was a man with a purpose. I mean Paul had a burning purpose in his heart. Paul's manner, I want you to look at it in verse number 19. It says, serving the Lord. Amen. That was the manner of the apostle Paul. With all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. I want you to know that was his manner. He wanted to serve the Lord. And then Paul's method is found in verse number 20. Look at it. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly from house to house. Acts 20 and verse 20. That's a 2020 vision. Amen. I mean, write it out there. 2020 vision. Paul went house to house, home to home, knocking on doors and telling the wonderful old love story of Jesus. Now, you sit here this morning, many of you, and you, you try to tell me, if I ask this morning, if I ask right now, if I ask the question, how many of you love Jesus? Every one of you, without exception, put your hand up. Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I've had people stand in their doorway before with liquor on their breath and uh, tell me how much they love Jesus. I've had men and women stand around and and uh, with sin in their lives. And tell me how much they love Jesus. You know a lot of people love him on Sunday morning. But when it comes time for Saturday morning visitation. You seemingly love the bed. A little bit more. Than you love Jesus. You say brother Ben you're getting mean. No I'm just telling it like it is. Amen. When it comes time for Thursday night visitation. And where we're going out and trying to get people to be saved. You seemingly love the television just a little bit more than you love Jesus. When, when some of you here this morning, you know when's the next time I'll see you? Easter Sunday morning. Shame on you. Shame on you. You're like my daddy. You're just like my daddy. My daddy told me one time, he said, oh, I can get my bucket full on Sunday morning. You know what I said? I said, you got a small bucket. Amen. You got a small bucket if you can get it filled on Sunday morning. Now I realize, listen to me. I realize that some people may be physically handicapped and can't come and sit for long periods of time. I realize that. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to that crowd this morning that just, just won't come. I mean, you're just lazy and uh, make no bones about it. Somebody came one day and said, Brother Bill, you talking about me? If you're here, I'm talking to you. Amen. I mean, if you're sitting in these pews this morning, I'm talking to you. I'm telling you this morning, you can, you can just sing song all you want to about how much I love Jesus. And you can sing, oh, how I love Jesus. But if you don't ever go visiting and you don't tithe and give offerings unto the Lord and you don't read your Bible like you should, you don't pray like you should, and you don't work in God's service like you should, bless your heart, you're a liar. You're a liar. You don't love God. You don't love Jesus like you say that you do. Every church I've ever pastored, I'm so ashamed of this. And I know God. Jesus Christ is hurt because of this. 
whatever church I've ever pastored, there's always a very, very few people that go out on visitation. Very few people. You say, well, I've got children. Don't you think people that go visit and have children? You say, I have to clean my house. Don't you think that these ladies that come on Saturday morning, don't you think they keep house too? You say, well, I, I've got to mow my lawn. Don't you think that these men that come, don't you think they have to mow their lawn? I mean, listen, put Jesus Christ first in your life. Paul was that kind of man. I mean, listen, Paul had one purpose, and that was to serve the Lord. Amen. Serve the Lord. Anything you can do. We clean the church. <laughs> now, I'm going I'm to get on you a little bit this morning. Oh, how I love Jesus. I wonder, could you come over Thursday night and help us clean the church? Uh, Brother Bill, I'd love to come. But, you know, I've, I've got some plans made. Don't you think that the people that come to clean this church, don't you think they might have plans sometimes? I'm telling you, my friend, Paul served God. You said, oh, listen, he, he got to stand on the platform. He was in the limelight. Listen, some of the greatest people that sit at Emmanuel Baptist Church, you never hear from them. They're the ones that clean the restrooms back here. They're the ones that, uh, that uh, help run off the bulletins around here. They're the ones that serve God in the menial task around Emmanuel Baptist Church. Do you think a church this large, this building, do you think that the grounds of this building, the inside of this building, do you think that these bulletins that you have every Sunday morning and all of this, that this just comes to be? You say, no. That's what we're pray, paying you for. Bless God, if you're paying me like that, I'm going to get a raise. I mean that. I'm going to let you start paying my wife a little bit. Have you ever stopped to think what you have in Brother Bill and his family? Have you ever paused to think about that? You have a full-time pianist here. You have a preacher. You have a choir director. You have a congregational uh, uh, singing man. You got everything. Listen, other churches have to pay on an individual basis. No, you don't have to do that. Listen, you don't pay me to do those things. Those are in the realm of the Spirit. And bless God, you can't pray. You can't pay any man to serve God. That comes out of the heart. I'm saying to you today, get on the ball. Amen. Serve God. You say, Brother Bill, is there anything I can do? I have so many people ask me that. Listen, we clean this church every Friday or Saturday. You just check on it. Find out when it's going to be. You don't have to come by and say, Oh, Brother Bill, you ever got anything that you want done? Just let me know. I had my son-in-law home one day. He's sitting over here reading the paper. And somebody said, uh, uh, I believe it was Donna, said, is there anything Lenny can do? Just let him know. Man, I got mad, Brother Frank. I got in the flesh. I jumped up and down. I said, bless God, sure, there's something he can do. He can get out here and mow the lawn. He can go over and clean the restrooms. He can vacuum the floor. He can wash the windows. He can do anything he wants to. You don't have to sit around. Listen, everybody knows what needs to be done. Just do it. Amen. Paul served God. And I think we ought to serve God. 
And one way that you can do it, not too many amens on this one, huh? but one way you can do it is by going on visitation every Thursday night, 7 o'clock. We meet right here every Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Every Saturday morning, 9 o'clock right here. All right, I got to hurry. I got about 10 more minutes. Paul was a man that kept his life pure before God. Amen. Listen, friend. We got this Sunday school campaign going called the Do Right Campaign. I believe people ought to live right. Amen. Now you say, oh, Brother Bill, here we go again. We're going to get on this thing of how folk ought to live day by day. And I get so tired of hearing it. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friend. You might as well go get yourself in another church. Because you're going to hear it as long as I pastor this church. I've never changed. I stood here when we had 25 people at Emmanuel Baptist Church. I told them exactly what I thought the Bible taught. And I want you to know these things aren't a preference with me. I don't believe I have any choice about the things on how women ought to dress and men ought to dress, how men ought to cut their hair and so forth. Those things are Bible convictions with me. I believe it down to the tip of my toes this morning. I'll never change. I'm going to go on like that. When Jesus comes, you'll still see two or three uh, little old preachers down here hollering and squalling to the top of their voice. I believe people ought to live right. And that's what I'll be saying when I go up in the rapture. Not going to change. Not going to change. I'm going to keep going the same way right down the line. And I know some of you already, I know, I've said it before. You say, oh, well, he's living in his own world. He don't know what's going on out there. Don't fool yourself. I do know what's going on. I know what's going on. I know all the pornography that's going on. I know the X-rated movies that are being shown. I know that liquor's being sold uh, by the billions of dollars in this country of ours. I know dope is on the rise. I mean, I'm not, I know homosexuality is on the rise and, and Sodom, sodomites are, are growing uh, hand over hand. I know all of these things. You, I'm not living in a fog, but bless your heart, you write her down somewhere. Now you get this, Bible-based convictions never change. Never. I mean, listen, if it was wrong, 50 years ago, according to this book right here, it's wrong today. Some of you say, well, we're living in an enlightened age. You're living in one of the most wicked ages that's ever been known to mankind. We're living right now in the middle of Genesis chapter number 6. If you don't think so, you go back and read it, my friend. I mean, there's wickedness on every hand and the children of God are in a minority in this world today. Less than 2% of the 4 billion people on the face of this earth uh, even claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that includes, includes all the, the Mormons and the Jehovah's false witnesses and every other kind of cult that you can come across. I'm telling you today, we're in the minority, but my friend, I believe we ought to do right in spite of it. I just want you to know that I still believe people ought to live right. We're going to do right at Emmanuel Baptist. 
That's as plain as I know how to put it. You know how to put it in plainer. You come up here and do it. Amen. But I believe Paul lived for God. And I believe we ought to live for God. And then the last thing. I skipped one. Paul was a man of prayer. But I want you to know Paul was a man of passion. He was concerned about lost people. Now, I believe with all of my heart, soul this morning, that Paul shed tears. Not many tears shed in this day. People have become hardened. People don't think about the souls of men and women until they're dying. I would to God that everybody in this place could have gone with Brother Law and myself the other day. You ought to visit with me sometime. You ought to follow along with your preacher and go into some places where people are dying and where bodies are racked with pain and where there's agony and torment of soul and where people are lost and, and, and they're wanting somebody to help them. My friend, that'll touch your heart. That'll touch your heart. Why, some of you, you can sit over here at the, at the television screen and you can watch old Yaller and bless your heart, you'll just cry and cry and cry. But you know the whole world is dying and going to hell. And you go home at night, every night, and lay down on your bed and your pillow, close your eyes, and you go sound asleep and never think about it. Some of your neighbors living right next door to you Many a time you've walked over and said, could I borrow a cup of sugar or have you got an Irish potato, I, one short, or could you loan me an onion or something? And not one time have you ever talked to them about their soul. I'm telling you, my friend, we need some compassion in our hearts today. 1984, we need to be concerned about people. We need to shed some tears. Paul was a man of tears. Jesus was a man of tears. I'd like to be a man of tears. But week after week, I preach here, and nobody seems concerned enough to shed tears. I talked to my sister this past week, and uh, I'm older than my two sisters. I was 10 years old when my oldest sister was born into this world. And when I was coming up, I was only a child for 10 years. My mother run a tourist court. And that's how I learned to cook. I followed my mother around everywhere she went. I, I knew how to cook and everything when I was just a little boy. I, I could make beds in those cabins when I was a little boy. Eight or nine years old, I was making beds. When I was 10 years old, my sister was born into this world. Why, well, I've taken care of her. I've pinned diapers on her. I've cleaned her little bottom before. When she was just a, a little baby, I've given her baths. I used to take care of her. And this past week, I talked to her. And she's got so many things that are wrong. Her sons are on dope. Her little girl is so rebellious against God. Her son has divorce. She herself babysits for her daughter-in-law so that her daughter-in-law might go out on Friday nights with a married man 
and commit adultery. And I thought about that when I hung the phone up this past week after talking to Sarah. And I lay there in my bed and I thought, oh God, here's a little girl that I used to take care of, that I held in my arms, that I loved her. And now she's lost and on the road to hell. And how long has it been since I, her brother, how long has it been since I shed any tears over my own blood sister? Oh, listen to me, my friend. You're the same way. You've got people this morning that are lost that you ought to be concerned about. There's people right here in this congregation. I know. I get hard sometimes. I know that. You think, oh, Brother Bill, you're, you're so harsh and mean and unkind. Let me tell you, what kind of preacher you rather have? You rather have one of these little wishy-washy namby-pamby sort of preachers that's just you live like you want to and die and go to hell? Or would you rather have some preacher try to get you saved and get you to live in for God and experience a victorious Christian life? I may be harsh sometimes, but God knows I love every one of you. I love every one of you. And I wish every child of God in here this morning would sell out and say, oh, preacher, you don't have to worry about me anymore. I'm going to live for God. You don't have to worry about me on Thursday night. I'll be here. Saturday morning, I'll be here. Preacher, I'll be here. I'm going to sell out for God. I'm going to give every bit of my life to Jesus Christ. I would to God some Christians would do that. And then I would to God some of you that are lost would come this morning and receive Jesus Christ.